0: Work in the community, uh, in the community of the Spirit of the Church. So today we talk about wind over the water. Uh, at least I like that title, so that's why I put it on. You can put some other title if you want. Um, Wayne, am I good to go? Okay. So guys, it reminds me of smoke over the waters, but that's a different thing. <laughs> yeah. So guys, John 6:63, 6, it says there, and we've been talking about this again and again. It is the Spirit that quickens. And the flesh profits nothing. I I mean, I was sitting with uh, somebody yesterday and they asked me a question and immediately I responded with this. I'm using the scripture every which time I can because it has to settle in my head, man, that it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. It is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The more you begin to um, hone in on this simple scripture, the less you will operate In what is our default, which is basically our fleshly ways of functioning. It is a spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And strangely enough, guys, in John chapter 3, and the moment I say John chapter 3, anyone who's read the Bible once will immediately think of Jesus and Nicodemus, where Jesus said, what shall I do to be born again? And we always relegate that passage to this born againness or becoming new believers. But Jesus says so much there, man, about the spirit of God. I mean, in John chapter 3, verse 6, he says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. It kind of ties in with John 6, 63. It is the spirit that quickens, the flesh profits nothing. In John 3, 6, Jesus said, flesh gives birth to flesh, the spirit gives birth to spirit. Guys, and I know we've heard this line many times over, just as God's spirit brooded over the waters like a bird in Genesis 1-2. So I must understand that He hovers over me every day, every moment to form in me and birth through me things of the Spirit. Let me say that again. I must understand that 24-7 the Spirit of God who hovered over or brooded over the waters, in Genesis 1-2, in the same manner the Spirit of God who is present in me hovers over me, waiting to form in me and birth through me God things, man. But the sooner Jacob's come, Jacob comes to the realization that flesh profits nothing, but the Spirit gives life, the sooner Jacob will be able to birth God things here on earth that are not contaminated with Jacobness, because most of our works are sometimes mixed, man. So unless a person submits to the, unless a person submits to the wind hovering over the water construct and the wind hovering over the water construct is the way Eugene Peterson puts it. I love the way he sometimes takes words and gives it new meaning. So unless a person submits to the wind hovering over construct one cannot function one cannot function one cannot function In the kingdom of God, one cannot function in the kingdom of God the way he should, the way she should. Unless a person submits to the wind hovering over the water construct, where you become more and more aware that, Spirit of God, I know you're resident in me, but you hover over me. Just like a bird hovers over water, just like you did in Genesis 1-2, you're just waiting to form in me and through me so that you can birth things of the Spirit here on earth. I need to come into a greater realization that unless a person, unless Jacob submits to the wind hovering over the water construct, Jacob cannot function in the kingdom of God as he should. Because at the end of the day, remember guys, it's been said many times over. Who is the agency of the kingdom of God? The spirit of God. Any kingdom work has to be birthed by the spirit of God. I have to begin to think like this. I've been practicing this, guys. I, 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 on Friday, I had to speak somewhere. On Saturday, I had to speak somewhere. And what I'm doing now is I'll go and begin to read chunks that I know God wants to work with. And I'm trying this out. And then I'll go to these meetings and I'll stand there and not take out my notes and decide, okay, Spirit of God, I might end up looking foolish and it may not sound as good as my notes, but can you begin to do something? And both times it's worked out wonderfully. Both times it's worked out wonderfully. Where the Spirit of God now begins to take over and He takes the substance of what is what you have ingested, what you have eaten, what you've meditated on, and it begins to now come out. The same thing can apply to every area of life, guys. Because what area does he not know about? What is he not an expert in? What is his desire? He has a vested interest in producing things of the Spirit here on earth. Because the flesh profits nothing, but the Spirit gives life this is his desire he's got a vested interest in it that's what encourages me this is not a this is not an endeavor that we have to engage in and somehow squeeze out of god this is god's desire it is my pleasure to give you the do not be afraid little flock it's my pleasure to give you the kingdom as in the rule and the reign of christ here on earth so unless a person submits to the wind hovering over the water construct One cannot function in the kingdom of God. Because guys, remember, the invisible must permeate and move the visible. The invisible must permeate and move the visible. That's how it works in the kingdom, man. And we don't realize this that I have to let him who is invisible, him who is unseen, begin to first permeate the seen, the physical, the visible, and then begin to produce things here on earth. This is how it works. But we don't necessarily let it happen. And then what happens is we produce here on earth, Ammon and Moab. Remember, Lot went and slept with his daughters and produced, children of incest, Ammon and Moab, who later on turned against Israel. So either you produce things of flesh that are so putrid that what is produced now in the flesh, and I'm not talking about the world out there, eh? I'm talking about us Christians. We either end up producing things in the flesh that are so putrid that a generation later they attack the very ones who birth them. Or you produce Ishmael's. Ishmael means God hears. Now, in the case of Ishmael, it may not be putrid, but it's still a mixture of the son of of the, ma- of the of the of the man of promise with a slave to produce a son who later on persecutes the son of promise guys we can 't afford this anymore we eh? been doing this for too long we costume it, but we can 't afford it. things that are produced here should be things that are of the spirit it will have real life guys real life any questions before we go on? Both, in a sense, man. <laughs> yeah, I was talking more about Isaac and Ishmael because when Ishmael grows up, Ishmael now begins to scorn Isaac, and that's why Sarah gets pretty upset and uh, tells Abraham to send Hagar and the boy away. So, yeah, it keeps repeating. Yeah, but in this particular case, because Ishmael is birthed, Ishmael now starts persecuting Isaac. The son, of, the son of the slave woman now begins to persecute the son of promise. And it will happen. Whenever stuff is produced of the flesh, It and whenever there's mixture, remember that it will always turn against us. And so even in our structures, guys, in, our, in the things we do in church, the way we construct things in church... If it is off flesh, it will eventually either require that you maintain it. And what are we maintaining? Decay. That's the sad part, eh? I, uh, before, uh, now that I'm on the 12th floor, uh, now that I, I mean, I live on the 12th floor, so before there used to be this chute that you could go put stuff down. So all you had to do was somehow jam the thing in and it, you could hear it going down. And... They locked the thing up because I believe the chute was getting damaged because people were literally throwing their kids down that thing. So <laughs> now that they've locked it, you've got to carry your garbage, go down the elevator, go out to the back of the building and throw the thing. And it's become a chore. I don't know where I'm going with this. It had a relevant point a little while ago. but well, let's move on. <laughs> Completely lost track decay and and so so on hot summer days you you try to get scented bags so that they last a little longer because you want to you want to somehow sanitize the decay guys this is what we sometimes do eh anything oh put on the fans man Yeah. Is it working? Maybe it needs to be checked. Thanks man. Yeah. So you can't maintain decay. And remember guys, anything that you and I produce, you know, for some strange reason, we are willing to justify and live with things of the flesh. That's the problem. There, there is no, um, the, the, we don't have sufficient enmity against the things of the flesh. And yet the Bible clearly says the spirit gives life and the flesh profits nothing. Yet our hearts don't rage against things of the flesh because we've gotten so used to it, it's almost like we can't do without it. This is how life is. No man, this is not how life is. Because remember guys, you and I may have gotten accustomed to it, but Tavis' generation has to have a fresh new start. They have to have a legacy of things produced in the spirit not a legacy of things that were birthed in the flesh. So the question is then, how do you move with this invisible spirit? How do you move with this invisible spirit? We we keep saying that, okay, uh, the invisible must permeate and move the visible. How? Jesus kind of touched on that in John 3.8. In John 3.8, and look at the statement he makes, very categorical statement. He says, anyone born from above or anyone born again, he says, And if he says it, then it must be true. Anyone born from above knows well enough how the wind blows this way and that. You hear it rustling through the trees, but you have no idea where it comes from or where it's headed next. Um, The point being this, guys. You know, I have a 10 foot by 5 feet balcony, and so... Uh, because it's hot now, I spend a lot of time on the balcony. But one of the things I do on the balcony is I keep walking to different spots in the balcony because I know there will be some spots where if you stand, the breeze begins to come on you. But you can, I mean, it's only a 10-foot balcony. You can stand here and you're sweating and you can stand here and the breeze comes on you. So the first thing I do when I go onto the balcony is try to find out where the breeze is and then take my chair and plonk myself so that I have a cool breeze on a hot summer day. This is how we are supposed to be, guys. We're in the midst of things. You and I have this deep desire on a hot summer day to find or locate ourselves in where, Spirit of God, are you doing something? And how would you recognize it? It'll be refreshing, guys. It'll have life in it. You will know it. Jesus said that if you're born from above, you will recognize it. The only thing you will not know is where it's going to shift to and which way it's heading. So you might have to move your chair, but you will recognize it. Why? Because the same spirit that was in Jesus and that's in your father is now in you. Surely you will recognize it. Will you ever not know your children? I mean, you could have twins, man, and they'll know which one is which got to understand this. Begin to live like this. Think like this. That, Father, I'm out on my balcony. It's hot, but I will easily recognize the way your spirit is blowing. I just need to locate it and I'll stand in it. If it shifts, I'll shift. But I am going to learn how to, or be conscious on how to locate it. And there are different reasons we are dull to the spirit. And one of the main things is because of the domination of the soul. Where we become, where we become soulish people who live our lives not by the Spirit. You know, our spirits were supposed to be able to engage the heavens. Deep calls to deep. Spirit to spirit. As believers, I'm supposed to engage the heavens with my spirit and relate to the earth with my five senses and my soul. But my soul was never supposed to have dominance over the ways of my spirit. It wasn't supposed to happen. But here's the thing guys, in many of our lives, and I see this happening so often to me, so the soul has become like an octopus with tentacles that cover the eyes and the ears of the spirit, eh? Your, your feelings, the way you think, your rational, has become like the tentacles of an opt- octopus that come in, cover the eyes and the ears of the spirit, to the point where you're not able to recognize the things of the spirit. And remember... The soul operates in logic. I know it's being renewed, but our souls operate in logic. The spirit operates in truth and revelation. God often works illogically. I mean, like I said earlier, there's very little that God has done that is practical in the Bible. Everything is so highly impractical and illogical. And yet there is logic in it. So if I'm operating by the soul, and if the soul uh, is the one that is in charge, it's very hard for me then to hear the things of the spirit, man. And so what happens then is if I'm someone who lives by the soul, my soul is now hostile to the things of the spirit. And it dismisses it. Or it theologizes it. Or it minimizes it. Or it sanitizes all spirit activity. Hurts me, man, when I see that happening around me when I see it happening in my life where because I am so consumed by my feelings and my way of thinking I either theologize, sanitize or dismiss spirit activity because my soul says this is not logical and that yet there is very little that God does in Hebrews chapter 11 that is logical got to leave a different legacy for Tavis and Sarah man Begin to practice this, eh, guys? Begin to practice this. Remember, the Spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The Spirit of God now resides in my spirit. I have the ability now to begin to live as one whose spirit leads and the soul follows. I have that ability. I have that ability now. I just have to train myself because for a long period of our lives, our soul dominated. When I say soul, I mean our thinking and our feeling dominated. I can retrain myself. Meanwhile, my mind is being renewed by the word, man. Every time I read the word, the veil is lifted and the mind is renewed. Things are on my side. Go ahead, Matt. Matt. What I mean by the flesh profit is nothing matters that things that are birthed from my own thinking that is not renewed, that is not godish, uh, things that are produced out of my own feelings, which move this way one day and this way the next day, which are not necessarily godish, things that come out of my personality which is flawed and defective, and which I say is my way of doing things, oppose or are hostile or are suspicious or are unable to handle. Things of God. I mean, you're talking about healing. Just take that. What is it that the mind can handle about healing? Everything in our mind say, this is not possible. Because medical evidence says so. Scientific evidence says so. Experiential evidence says so. Pastors say so. Theology says so. We got theologies for... uh, We got a hundred different theological reasons why God does not heal. So... We got all this and then comes along the Spirit of God and says, I'm going to raise you up and you'll be fine. How does a mind compute that? Impossible. You don't shut it off. You let one dominate the other. Where I realize that, oh shucks, I understand this fear. I understand the feeling of it. I understand the thought of fear. Yet I know in my spirit that He has said again and again, I will not leave or forsake you. I am your helper, your shield. And that's why the word is so vital. Because one, it lifts up the veil over me. And two, it renews my mind. Guys, some of the other reasons we are dull to the Spirit. One other reason is the fear of man. The fear of man. So many things that the Spirit prompts us to do. We are afraid to do. Because we either want the acceptance or the approval Or we are scared of the disapproval of man. The fear of man dulls us to the wind of the spirit. The fear of man dulls us to the wind of the spirit. You know, I'll tell you this. um, Sometimes when I'm standing out there in the balcony, um, um, some of the neighbors come out. And uh, um, during summer I wear shorts. I don't have the best looking legs in the world. eh? And so... Sometimes when I'm standing there in my shorts and the neighbors come out, and especially if they're young neighbors, I kind of step in. Because I think to myself, these legs don't look as good as they should look. Um, It's a self-conscious, vain thing. But what happens is, there's this, hmm, I don't want them to see... um, these shorts, maybe I should wear better shorts. So I go better, I mean, these are very colorful red and white shorts, eh? You don't wear them out. So, so I go change my shorts and I stand out. Why am I giving you this example? Because so many times when you want to locate and you know where the wind of the spirit is and you want step, to step into it, you're afraid of what others will say. The fear of people so prevents us from soaring in the wind of the spirit. What will they say? What will the church say? What if I change this? What if they complain? The second reason is the fear of foolishness. The fear of foolishness. Which is so connected to the fear of man. The fear of foolishness. Where the, there's this fear of appearing illogical. The fear of appearing unsophisticated. The fear of appearing extreme. That's another word. Because many of the things the Spirit of God may require of me will look extreme in the eyes of the average Christian. And so you step back from it. I was listening to um, stories about this guy called Jim, who's a pa- Pastor Jim from Richmond Pentecostal. He's the interim pastor there for the next two weeks. And he was saying how um, one day the Spirit of God asked him to go to Vancouver Airport and So he lands up there. And he's lined up in the Air Canada um, queue. And so the person behind him is a friendly, chatty kind of guy. So he comes and says, so where are you going? And he says, I don't know. Because all that the Spirit of God told him was turn up at the airport and wait in line. Wait in line and I'll tell you what to do. So he's standing there in the airport. I mean, I've gone to Australia because God has told me to with nobody to meet. But that's one thing. This is a whole different ballgame where you turn up at the airport with suitcase and you you don't know where you're going. And he says, I'm waiting. So the guy said, so uh, you don't know. So what flight are you catching? I don't know. And so he's waiting in line. And uh, he said... God just told me, I think he said, God just told me to turn up. And he's feeling more and more foolish as he repeats this thing because it's so illogical. Sounds extreme and completely ridiculous. And finally, there are only three or four people left in front of him. And along comes a man and uh, he's got an envelope uh, and in the envelope is money. And he comes and says that uh, this morning the Lord woke me up and told me to come here and uh, meet a guy who would be standing in the line. And I'm supposed to give you this money. Uh, for tickets too. And he even told him where the tickets were too. And he gives him the money. Pastor Jim steps up, buys the tickets and goes where he's supposed to go. another instance, uh, he was in some part of East Europe and he took his best suit, which he had spent a lot of money buying. Uh, And then as he's in the flight, God tells him, when you come back, I want you to come back with nothing but the clothes on your body. And so he starts giving away everything he has. And he was even complaining, Father, this suit, it took me months to collect the money for this suit. You want me to give this away? Gives that away. And then just when he's leaving, the Lord says, Your shoes, your shoes. And so he takes and gives his shoes away. And now he's walking in his socks back to the hotel. Because he has to pick up. And he says, I had an ugly pair of sneakers. So he put on those sneakers instead. Those are the only things. And the clothes on his back. And he's lining up and... Everybody has loads of luggage and he's got nothing. At least he's got shoes now. But he had to leave from the place of the conference to his hotel in his socks because he gave his shoes away. And I'm listening to these stories and I'm thinking to myself, Father, I thought my life was adventurous. It ain't. Because this man has somehow learned the simple way of finding the wind of the Spirit and stepping into it. And then he does things that are illogical. Extreme by most of our standards, and unsophisticated. It's not very sophisticated to go walking into a hotel in your socks. But, but this is how it works. And you think to yourself, thank God, God doesn't ask us to do things that he asked of Ezekiel. Even, <laughs> so we wouldn't be able to handle stuff like that. Lie on your side for so many days, lie on this side for so many days, only wear a loincloth, only don't wear a loincloth, take your loincloth and bury it and pull it out of 365 days. Now try wearing it. What? It's in tatters? Well, then, too bad, go ahead. <laughs> Guys, God's asking us to step into a whole different realm, eh? The flesh profits nothing, the spirit gives life. There's this fear of foolishness. The third thing is the fear of the unknown the fear of the unknown one of the things with the spirit of god is this is that you'll have to yield control or you'll have to risk losing control <laughs> and trusting like abraham did hey i love hebrews 11:8 and abraham set out not knowing where he was going the the fear of the unknown, as in the risk of losing control, is something that frightens the heck out of us, man. And so we we, we get dulled to the ways of the spirit because we don't know how to operate there. The risk of the unknown. And the last one? The fear of security. The fear of security as in the fear of financial stability, the fear of not ending up being successful as the world sees it. The fear of security. Yep. Fear of security, not I thought of that too. So, whichever one fits. I wasn't sure. So, either the, nothing has changed about Diana since you were gone. Yeah. The fear of security or the fear of insecurity. I was debating that. Guys, the point being... Uh, Many of us won't do the things the Spirit of God asks us to because it will incur financial instability sometimes and it may cause our definition of success to be completely messed up. So why do the things the Spirit of God is doing? Instead, produce something that's off the flesh, that is both successful and that is secure. I remember when Acts 29 had to be started, I delayed it for two years, man. Two years. People would come, guys who didn't know me. uh, Some, one one man who was a prophet. uh, um, And then the spirit of God telling me, Jacob, time to move, time to move. Jacob would not move. Why? Because to leave the security of a regular paying job with 110 people was very scary. For two years, I delayed it. There's a fear of security and of success. Any questions before we move on? Guys, do you see how this can cripple us? Do you see why we produce things of the flesh? So much safer. But it's decay. It's decay. It will turn putrid. If not in this generation, in the next generation. Can't afford it, man. Go ahead. Yeah, there's a lot of living by faith in this, Mariam. There's a lot of stepping out in faith. But see, it's faith in... Uh, here's the thing about it eh? why do I keep moving my chair to find that breeze because I know that yes it's inconvenient but when I find it, it will refresh me and, and that is this whole thing where I keep moving till I know this is life and this is refreshing, this is risky but there is something about this that is so different from the way I have been Any questions? Okay. Guys, we were called to soar on the wings of the wind, eh? We were called to have our lives invaded, steeped and stirred up by the Spirit, unbroken, free-flowing. Suddenly, guys, life will stop happening and the Spirit will begin happening. You know, we say life happened. No, 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 no. You begin living like this and life stops happening, the Spirit of God starts happening and life is part of that. It's no longer life happening and the Spirit of God intervening every now and then. No longer is my life broken up into times of church, times of ministry, times of counseling, times of prayer, times of Bible study. No, no, no. It, it is, it is always finding that refreshing breeze and staying there and in and as it moves, you move. Suddenly everything is continuous. It's unbroken. It's flowing, man. It's it's something else then. That's what we're being invited to, eh? Got to to model this, guys. It may may take us another one year, two years, five years. But if we can finally model this, where John 3, 8 becomes alive. You guys, Jesus said, know the breeze when it comes because you see the rustling of the leaves on the trees. All you don't know is where it comes from and where it goes. Leave that to me and I'll help you locate it. But watch the rustling of the leaves and jump into it. So, how do we go about doing this, guys? Uh, Hear the sound first. Hear the sound of the rustling of the leaves. And what do I mean by that? Uh, First, guys, uh, and this applies to any of us who are planning on... Making a change, planning on starting afresh, planning on starting tomorrow differently, planning on purpose, planning on reason, pl- reason for living as in, plan, planning on destiny, whatever your thing is, how do, you, how do you figure, how do you work on this? First, hear the sound, hear the sound, as in, he- begin by hearing the sound of the written word. Eh? Begin by hearing the sound of the written word. Sometimes that's where you begin. Many of us want a rema word from God, want a prophetic word from God, want some kind of a vision from God that will jumpstart. But God first says, Jacob, start hearing the sound of my written word. Let the baby begin to jump, jump in your womb because you are constantly listening to the written word and you've gotten so accustomed to it that you know my nature through the written word. Hear the sound of the written word first. And once you're used to that, then hear the sound of the rema word, the prophetic word that I send." And it happens so often in this church, guys. The rustling of the trees. And once you hear it, then check to see whether it matches with the nature of God. Check to see whether it's the direction God has been traveling in your life for a while. Is that what He has been speaking for a while? Check to see if you have that bold peace that He gives in the face of what seems illogical. Guys, why Mongolia, guys? Why Mongolia? Why now? Because many years ago, eh, almost four or five years ago, God had started speaking about Mongolia. Saying this church has a stake in Mongolia. And it's been lying fallow for so many years. Every now and then, we'd bring up Mongolia and it would die. Bring up Mongolia and it would die. But we knew that God had set his face towards Mongolia for this church. And then suddenly, Southeast Asia happened. Where we began to decide that this church is now to leave the Middle East and India as secondary. And move towards Southeast Asia. And I remember standing in Hong Kong on my trip back from Indonesia on June 29th. I'm saying, where next, Father? What's going to happen next? Which country in South Asia? Because Malaysia is over, Singapore is happening, Indonesia is done. I've visited Cambodia and something is brewing there. Where next? And along, as I'm watching, standing and watching, along comes this airline. And it's got the word MIAT written on it, M-I-A-T. And M-I-A-T stands for Mongolian Something Airline. I've got the photograph on my um, camera because I took it immediately. I said, okay, Father, if that's what you're saying, sure. You've got to begin to identify the direction God is walking in so that you can know, aha, but Father, you've been saying this for a while. Perhaps now is the time. And then what happens with him happens. Where it was a casual conversation and I mentioned Mongolia and he's got this relative who's here for two days and that starts a whole series of events. You know what happens next? I, r- I write to the person that she gave me the address for and she, he writes back saying, there's someone called Jillian Parker in Vancouver who works in Mongolia. Um, perhaps you should meet her. And guess what? Jillian is their friend. I've met her before and uh, she's in town right now. So I go meet with Jillian. And one after the other things begin moving. Once you hear the sound, guys... It, 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 there's an activity that begins. You've got to hear the sound. First of the written word and then of what God is saying. Be it a rhema word or the prophetic or what God has revealed. And begin to walk in it. Knowing that God has set a direction, this comes from His nature. And then you begin to walk in it, guys. That's how it all begins. And there's this bold piece, eh? that he gives in the face of what seems illogical. You think I'm not aware that I'll be coming back on the 21st and leaving again on the 26th? You think I'm not aware of the money it'll cost? You think I'm not aware of the fact that I'll be here every alternate Sunday and that I have a responsibility here? But there is a bold peace in the face of what is illogical. Hear the sound first. The next thing, guys, is step out. Step out. Step out. Once you hear the sound, you got to step out. And if you, like I always say, when you hear the sound, guys, go check with others who are good at this so that you can verify it. Because sometimes you need things to be... Sometimes there's greater clarity when someone from the outside is looking at something because you're so close to the thing that you may not see it clearly. So step out. Begin with ankle-deep boldness. Begin with ankle deep boldness. What do I mean by ankle deep boldness? It's what the priests did in Joshua chapter three, verse thirteen and fifteen. God says to Joshua, Listen, tell the priests to go and step into the Jordan. And so what do the priests do? The people are following and they go step into the Jordan. And when they step into the Jordan, 70 miles away, the waters start collecting. At a place called Adam. And the waters just seized there. Seventy miles away. Eddie taught us about this. As soon as they step, nothing is happening. As far as they're concerned, they could still see the water. But 70 miles away, a miracle had started where water were beginning to pile up and the rest of the water began to flow till the whole place was dry. Step out, man. Vital that we do that. It's called ankle deep boldness. That's my new word for it. Ankle deep boldness where I have to risk some action. And once you do, your boldness will translate into focus. Eh? whenever you bold like that, new focus comes where even though the victory has not blossomed and there's no evidence, God and not the victory becomes your obsession. That's a strange thing with boldness. When you step into boldness because you have heard the sound and are taking action you won't notice that the fig tree has not blossomed. God and not the fig tree becomes your obsession. That's the first thing. The second thing is uh, you'll be foolish enough, man, once you take a step. The first step is the hardest to take. You take the first step and then it's foolishness just takes over. Wonderful foolishness takes over. Where without armor, armed with five stones, you go up against Goliath. But the first, I mean, the the things I dare to do before I go to sleep and the things that evaporate when I wake up in the morning. (laughs) I'm so full of ideas the night before. And then when I get up, reality hits you. So I would suggest that the first thing you do if you've made a decision before you go to sleep is as soon as you get out of bed, do not think, do it. Because if you can break that threshold and step out, guys, you've got it made. the hardest thing for me sometimes when I'm traveling is to click purchase. You know, there's that button at the end, you booked and you see the amount and you think, no. And then you shut your eyes and go click and the deal is done. Now, if you cancel, you've got to pay a cancellation fee. And that is um, hindrance enough. So, and thirdly, guys, um, begin to Walk in the works that you have been summoned to. And don't be too afraid, eh? Proverbs 37, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of God, man. If you're someone who's delighting in God and obeying Him, know this too with confidence, that surely the steps of a righteous man are ordered of God. Surely I can step out and this uh, God knows how to help me and correct me and take care of me. And the last step, guys. Hear the sound, step out. And the last bit is, steward with wisdom. Steward now what you have started with wisdom. Be willing to make adjustments as you go along. Be open to what God may change. One of the things that happens to me sometimes is God says, I want you to do this, this and this. And I'm so stuck with it that I don't see what else God may want to change. And I miss out on stuff. Steward with wisdom. Be open and willing to make adjustments along the way. As God directs, as circumstances direct. I mean, one of the classiest, classicist, I know it's wrong. One of the classicest passages uh, that kind of shows this is in Acts 16, verse 5 to 8. It says, When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Here he was being led by the Spirit, and he knew the wind of the Spirit, man. He had a call to Asia Minor, and he's going to different places. But he would know the rustling of the sound of the Spirit, and he would stop. And then look at this passage, eh? Look at 2 Corinthians 2.12. You'll find another twist to the story. Second 2 Corinthians 2.12. I've just read the first bit from Acts 16. So he lands up in Troas, but then look at what happens in Troas. This is a backstory. It says there, now, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened the door for me, who opened the door? The Lord opened the door. I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. There are times, guys, where God can have an open invitation for you and yet. You may be restless inside, either because you're not ready or because there is another pressing need or something else happens. And God knows how to accommodate that too. Second Corinthians 2.12 is the backstory of what is not said in Acts 16. In Acts 16, it just says, I went to Troas and I had a dream that night and I went to Macedonia. The truth is in Troas, there was a door open that the Spirit of God had opened for him. And he still chooses not to take it because his spirit was not at rest because he wanted to find Titus. They write, yeah, see you later. Guys, got to understand that too. Odd day that that should happen. Go. No, I'm saying that God sometimes allows me the latitude to come to a place of peace. Lauren and Sig are leaving the building. I told them I'd embarrass them. So thanks for coming, Lauren. Yeah, guys, here's the thing, guys. Sometimes God may open a door for you. And you may still not be at rest. And guess what? God isn't going to be upset with it. He would rather have you come to a place of of peace and rest and do things out of that than be forced into doing things. So Macedonia calls and he goes to Macedonia. Surprising. I want to say this, just because there is an invitation does not mean that you now have to take it. There is an invitation, you have to consider it. Hard, eh? There's more in those lines than I'm telling you, but I just wanted to present a backstory of what actually happened. We'll talk about it more later. Let me conclude. Guys, As you steward with wisdom, seek who you will walk with. Uh, Try to find people who can lead you into daring. Try to find people who can lead you into divine daring. Yeah. Be careful of who steps into your boat. If he or she is not walking on water... Keep them out of the boat. When you are stewarding a new thing in God, when you are stepping into divine daring, make sure you know who's stepping into your boat, man. Because if they don't know how to walk on water, when you get a call to do something crazy, they will not be able to help you. They'll precipitate in your life systems and alliances and things that have nothing to do with God. Remember, guys, upgrade comes through association Imitation and formation. Upgrade comes through association, as in, has God called you to something that needs divine daring in it? Then make sure you associate with people who know how to walk on water. Because otherwise, when Jesus commands, come and they are in your boat, they'll say, what's wrong with you? Don't you know that people drop straight down to the bottom of the ocean when they step out of a boat? Upgrade comes through associating with those that are of like spirit. So there's association, and then when you associate with them, it's easy to imitate what God wants you to do. And then it begins to form in you, where it's no longer imitation, it's the willingness to step out. You know, I'd love to meet this... Um, um, pastor from Richmond Pentecostal Unfortunately, he, he's only interim So he'll be leaving in a couple of weeks But the point is, I'd love to meet him Why? Not to exchange stories And tell him how wonderful I am But just to hear more stories From him, so that It, it stirs me up to begin to walk At, at another level, man As and when the Spirit of God calls. Because upgrade only happens through association, imitation, formation. Make sure that you walk with people who have divine daring and who know how to walk on water, guys. And finally, to steward steward things with wisdom, manage your present resources well, eh? Manage your present resources well. Because... And when I say resources, I mean wealth. I mean time. Manage your resources and time well. Because if you do, then God will give you greater dominion because the secret for dominion is faithfulness with present resources. The secret for dominion is faithfulness with present resources. So many times um, I step out, I hear God, I step out, but I don't necessarily manage my resources well. Uh, So what happens is the next time God asks me to step out, I have less to work with. Manage your resources well, because faithfulness is the seed for dominion. Any questions? Uh, I know there's a lot that was said today, so go and listen to the tape. It'll at your own pace. Any questions, guys? um I'm gonna ask uh, Heidi and Jason to come up and just uh, send me off on this trip and we'll take